Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And I don't know about you all, but I am just, I got a great, I, I got story after story I want to share. I got so many good talks. It, it is smackalicious. <laughs> <laughs> and what's smacktastic. Dude, you know what's funny? Here's the thing. Like, you can see me on the, uh, the, the video Skype, and I look like, I'm I'm not in good shape right now. Like my I, I got like lines bags under my eyes. I I have not been able to sleep at night for the last couple of nights, and part of it's because I've got these stories that I keep wanting to tell on the podcast, and I'm like I can't wait to say this one. Hey, so before we actually get into the great and glorious smack talk of the day, why don't we tell everyone what today's topic is? So they know if they should stick around or not. Yeah. So uh, I've been working really, really hard on this, and it is going to be preaching the fifth part. <laughs> I was really hoping we could talk about preaching today. I mean, I was like, man, if we could talk about anything, I'd want it to be preaching. Well, I wasn't going to, but since you asked really nicely, if that's what we're doing, I was like, yeah, I might as well. So this is part five. So it's the pulpit strikes back. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Well, let me tell you something, brother. Now that it's that part of the show where we talk smack, what you going to do when the Church Planner podcast runs wild on you? So I got some smack talk for you. This I got last night. And I couldn't send it to you because I needed you to hear it for the first time on the podcast. Like, I really, really <laughs> wanted to send this to you. 
So we just got a new review of the Church Planner Podcast by a guy by the name, and I'm going to kill his last name, but it's Kyle Romine or Romine. I'm, I'm not sure. R-O-M-I-N-E. So he, he's good. this is mad props to you, Kyle. Greatest, greatest podcast review. In fact, right now, Kyle, I have, and, and Peyton can see this, I have a $50 Visa gift card sitting on my desk. This is going to you. Contact me. Get me your mailing address. I'm going to send you this $50. This is the greatest podcast review. And we're wow. going to do another $50 uh, gift card contest for the best review we get in the next two weeks. Nice. Uh, give us a new review if you haven't done it. And uh, we'll put you in the, the contest. Can I mean, we, can I play? No. Oh. Yeah, 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 because I'm going to take it out of your share. No, I'm just All right, I dig it. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to take it out of your share of the debt. There we yeah, go, baby. So the the headline for the podcast review, the three stages of listening to the Church Planner podcast. <laughs> you can just tell it's going to be great, right? Love it. Starts out stage one, hopeful to learn. In quotes, man, I really need some practical advice slash wisdom about church planting. Peyton seems to know a lot. Pete keeps getting him off track. <laughs> <laughs> Stage two, wondering what G- <clears throat> wondering what CPP is about. Have I been listening to them smack talk about TV shows and Star Wars for 30 <laughs> minutes already? <laughs> they haven't even mentioned church planning. Oh, great. Another MoGive commercial. <laughs> Stage oh, three. Awesome. Stage three. Smack talk is all I care about. Shut up about preaching 501c3s and marketing already. Get back to the smack. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, you see why that is worth a $50 gift card. <clears throat> That right there was just, I was in tears. At first, I was like, oh, no, you know, because now when I get these, I'm so fearful because of the one dude who gave us a two-star review. I'm like, is it going to be a good one? Is it going to be a bad one? Because it doesn't tell me the stars when I get the email alert. It's just like, here's what someone wrote. <laughs> oh, my gosh, dude, I was in tears when I when I read oh, that. Man. Then he goes on, hilarious podcast. Pete and, Payton, uh, Pete and Peyton both have a lot of wisdom. Well, <laughs> one of us does. <laughs> Stop getting me off track, man. Going somewhere. There's really good substance as well as entertainment. I don't listen just to learn anymore. This podcast is so much more. Help me uh, learn to laugh in the midst of hard ministry. Thanks, guys, for what you do. Keep it up. Well, thank you, Kyle. Reach out to us. Go to the churchplannermagazine.com website. Hit the uh, contact us button and uh, and hit me with your, your mailing address, and we'll get this over to you. I'd be laughing if we get, like, 50 church planners. Uh, I'm Kyle. Here's my address. Can you mail this <laughs> gift card to me? Hey, in true church planner spirit. That was just, that was classic, man. I was, I was in tears when I was reading that last night and I, I yeah. wanted to send it to you so bad. And then I'm like, nope, nope. Got to save it for the podcast. Got to save it for the podcast. That is fantastic, man. How funny. I so know. we corrupted him. <laughs> Apparently. Pete keeps getting Peyton off track. <laughs> Just give me the pot. Give, give, give me the good learning. Shut up about preaching and give me the smack. 
my gosh, that was great. Hey, hey so you, I, I got to go. That's paying your dues, man. You got to listen to the smack talk to get to the good <laughs> stuff. You know, it's like it's like biting a, a, a Tootsie Roll pop, right? You got to you got to lick the lollipop for a while. And then once you get through to that, then you get to the, the gooey chocolatey center. All, all I got to say is if you don't like the smack talk, I'm happy to refund you your money. <laughs> so well, he, he hit the nail on the head, though, didn't he? That, that as he says, you know, you're making me laugh through some rough ministry stuff. And, you know, it's kind of like Ecclesiastes says, hey, dark times will come. Enjoy the smack while it's there. That's a Peyton Jones paraphrase of Ecclesiastes. <laughs> you ought to do the Message Bible, Peyton Jones version. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be called the Message Bible, though. It'd be called like something like the Smack Bible. It'd be called the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Bible. The Smack Bible. I like it. So uh, I do have another smack story, but I don't want to. I don't want to steal any smack time from you. I mean, is there? I have no you, smack. You got no, okay. Well, this last Sunday, Refuge had its big outreach to uh, the park. <laughs> you wouldn't know about that, would you? I wouldn't know about that because I was off visiting another church, and it was the funniest experience ever. So there's the uh, there's a church plant <laughs> near my house. And I found out about it because I was getting my car washed. Uh, this must have been like a year ago. And I was, you know how they have like those weekly newspapers that come out for like a, a small community. The only time you ever read it is when you're at the car wash. They throw it on your front lawn and it stays there until trash day. And then you go pick it up and throw it in the trash. Well, I, I was reading it because I was at the car wash. And there was a story in there about this church that uh, had just experienced its one year anniversary. And it was my community. And I'm like, wow, dude, that's kind of cool. There is a, a church plant in, in Rossmore. So I went to their website and I just reached out to them, uh, you know, the, the little contact me. And I just said, hey, you know, I just want to let you know, I, I, um, I just read about your church plant in the paper. And I'm really encouraged that there's a church plant in my community. I think that's awesome. I go to a church plant in Long Beach and I, I work with church planters and do the podcast and the magazine and stuff. And, um, and I remember the, uh, the guy wrote back and I didn't remember his name and he was like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll check out your guys's podcast. And I mean, I wasn't like fishing for a listener or anything. And so, you know, I just kind of like, okay, well, that's cool. You know, maybe he listens to it. Maybe he doesn't, whatever, not a big deal. So it's been really hot in Southern California, like absurdly hot. We've been having months. Stinking hot. Yeah. It, it's been monsoon weather for, um, the last couple of months, maybe three months, and we don't, I mean, that's not the way Southern California is. It's its usually mm -hmm. a much drier heat, not as dry as Las Vegas, but certainly not like it is now, where it's just like stifling at 80 degrees, and you're like, oh my yeah. gosh, this is miserable. And then it's been hitting up to 100 with that same level of humidity. So, um, so Sunday was the big outreach, and for some reason we couldn't go to our church like a month ago. So there's a church that meets in our community and we decided to check it out. And that's the one where we were talking on the podcast, how I was like totally uncomfortable there. Like three times they came up to us. Hey, look, if your baby starts crying, uh, there's where the mother's room is. <laughs> you know, it was yeah. like, and then, you know, when my son went back into the children's church. I'm like, it's just one adult in there and I'm totally uncomfortable with that. And, 
And then, uh, you know, they're saying, oh, you know, we, your son had to go to the bathroom. And so we took him. And I'm like, dude, you know, you took my kid to the bathroom. Like, <laughs> I'm like, totally. Because we are so, like, protective of our kids at Refuge Long Beach. Never one adult is allowed uh, with kids. If it's two adults, it's great. But they can't be spouses, right? I mean, we've got, like, all these rules. You can, yeah. under no circumstances, take a kid to the restroom. You have to go get the parent. And the parent takes the kid to the restroom. Yeah. And that's for protection, guys. I mean, bad things happen at church, and you need to be uh, prepared for how you're going to stop these things from happening. Because um, it, it's your liability, actually, as uh, as the pastor. I mean, liability is on you for this. So don't just be like, oh, we're all Christians. We're all good. What's I'm that? You back in the smack talk. You're getting off base, man. I'm, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. Off smack talk track. So, so okay. So we go to this. So that was that church. I was totally uncomfortable at it. And so Jamie was like, so what are we going to do on Sunday? Because the uh, outreach was from 12 to 4, and there wasn't a church service uh, for our church. And at 12 to 4, I mean, that's when our kids are sleeping, right? So I'm like, well, that's out. We can't go to that. Right. And so I'm like, all right, well, what are we going to do? Are we just going to, you know, bedside Baptist, <laughs> as we like to call it? Or are we going to? <laughs> that's what happens when you grow up in a Baptist church church man bedside baptist sorry my dogs are barking <laughs> boy are my dogs barking <laughs> lord my dogs are barking so uh, so we we decided to go to this this other church plant called the branch in uh rossmore and los alamitos technically it was in los Al- alamitos <laughs> so so we go to it and we're walking up now. Understand this: like when we went to this other church like a month ago, I was kind of uncomfortable for a lot of reasons. One, the things they did with the kids, I was uncomfortable with, and then secondly, I just felt out of place because like almost everyone there was white, and I'm so used to our church where it's like <laughs> maybe twenty five to thirty percent are white, and it just it's awkward to me. But it totally makes sense for our community because there's actually not a lot of people of of other nationalities um, or ethnicities in our community. So, I mean, it makes sense that it's all white, right? But so we go to this other church, the branch. And uh, first thing we do, we walk up. I mean, there's a a, a gal there who's um, greeting everyone and she's black. And I'm like, oh, finally, you know, we've got, you know, it's not <laughs> the all white church, right? So I'm like, I'm feeling good. And then there's this other guy there. And, um, and he like, I, can't, I don't remember if he introduced himself. I think he said, you know, I'm Justin. What's your name? And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm Pete. And it was so funny because as soon as I did that, <laughs> I could tell he recognized me. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if that's the pastor, <laughs> right? You know, I wonder if that's the guy I talked to like a year ago via email. And so, you know, we go into the church and uh, it was actually a great church. I really, really enjoyed the church. But one of the things I really enjoyed about the church is they had air conditioning. And I'm so like, our church is stifling <laughs> hot. And I'm like, oh, so this is what it's like again when you got air conditioning for church. This is awesome. But so anyway. Um, why, why we lost Pete. Yeah, why we lost Pete. So we're leaving after the church service is over. Oh, oh, oh back up a second here. So. So we're walking into the the part of the rec center um, where the church meets. And so I go, so is there like a, a kid's area or, or you know, how, how does that work? And so it was really funny because the way he, he started talking, he goes, 
he goes, yeah, well, we do uh, worship all together um, with, uh, you know, all the, the kids and everything. And then we've got that sign-in table right over there, uh, which is kind of near the front. And, and you know, so you go then sign in your kid and then you can take them back. And we just, you know, we do that to be a little bit safer with the kids. So it was kind of funny to me that he was like saying stuff like that. And so in the back of my head, I'm like, I think he recognizes me. And he's probably heard some of our podcasts about like taking care of the kids and being safe with the kids and stuff. But, you know, maybe not. Right. Could all be in my head. So then we go to leave. We go to leave and he's out in the parking lot. Uh you know, talking with somebody as, as they're leaving. And then, so we're making our way out and my son is like bawling his eyes out. And so he's a little bit concerned, you know, the, the pastor ends up, the guy is the pastor, right? So he's a little bit concerned because my son is bawling. Well, my son is bawling his eyes out because he doesn't want to leave. It's not because, you know, he's, he's sad or anything like that. And then, so, um, so we're, we're shaking hands and, and Justin's like, so, uh, what do you do? <laughs> and so I go, uh, yeah, I do a uh, marketing and I also, uh, I publish a uh, church planner magazine and the church planner podcast. And he's like, yeah, I thought that was you. You reached <laughs> he, out to he me. He actually said, I was afraid that was you. <laughs> <laughs> you might've said that He goes, yeah, you reached out to me like a year ago. I listened to your podcast. I'm listening to like two a week. <laughs> and, and I'm like, so my first uh, line to him was, Oh man, that's kind of scary. <laughs> I find it kind of scary when I meet people who listen to the podcast because <laughs> I'm like, what do they think of me at this point? <laughs> and he goes, he goes, well, it's kind of scary to me because you're the expert and you're here checking out my church. You know, am I doing everything right? What am I doing wrong? <laughs> you're like, I have power. I'm like, I have power. What I should have said was something holy like, hey, I don't think there are any experts. It's all about the Holy Spirit, man. But I didn't, right? I wasn't that quick. Because <laughs> all, I, all I retorted was like, um, I think Peyton's the expert. I'm just the guy that gets him off track, apparently. I'm the guy that interrupts him in the middle of his uh, great dissertations. You should have said something like, you know, I'm running. I'm mentally scanning you, and I'm running about 10 different tests in my head. On one of them, you're about a 6.3 right now. I'll have to, I'll have to keep <laughs> scanning to give you the final results. What would have been funnier is so so anyway, um afterwards I and come we're back only teasing by the way. We're not this big of jerks. We just think everything's funny. Everything is funny. So I come back and I tell you, because you're like, where were you on Sunday? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I went over to this other church plant. And like you were hilarious. You're like flipping out. You're like, you can't leave us. You can't leave us. <laughs> and then you're like Googling the church. <laughs> <laughs> and you're Googling the pastor. And then later in the week, you like send me an email about something else. And then your signature line was, I hate Justin. <laughs> 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 Had nothing to do with this other church. Yeah, I'm like, I here it comes. Pete's telling me. I'm like, no, you can't go. I'm like, I'm like, I'm laughing my butt off the whole time, but I'm Googling. What? I'm like, I'm looking at their website, and this is all for fun, all this messing about. But I'm like, I don't remember what I was saying, but yeah, I was going on this big rant, just goofing off. Look at they have you can't go there, boom, boom, boom. And I'm 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 acting like the 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 jilted jaded lover, you know, like the That's uh, why it was so funny. Like a few days later, the email you sent me had nothing to do with anything. And then at the very end, I hate Justin. <laughs> yeah, he's slipping in there. 
I'm like, this means war. We were talking on the phone. I'm oh like, my I'm, gosh. I'm, I'm sending all the bad ones over there from now on. <laughs> yeah, did you say something like that? I can't. It did. Oh, that's what it was. I remember what you said. I can't say it, can I? I can't repeat it. <laughs> <laughs> something along the lines of all the sex offenders will now be sent over there. <laughs> and I'm like, and you know we got them, baby. <laughs> This is Refuge Long Beach. I'm like, this is war, Justin. <laughs> oh, that's what it was. I kept going, you won't take my Pete from me. You took my Pete. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You so. took my Pete from me. So, anyway, that's where I'm going from now on. Right on. I, I knew we'd lose you to air conditioning. I knew one day this day would come. <laughs> it's all about the air conditioning, baby. All about the creases, baby, and I gotta keep them cool. You're like, no, look, we'll get a, you will get you your own private fan. We'll just <laughs> stick it right next to you. Put a swamp cooler in the cooler just for you. We'll crack the window. <laughs> the church will invest oh in it. Oh my gosh, that's so oh, funny man. to me. I think I think funnier to me was <laughs> <clears throat> this week. You're talking to Chris Langham, who's um, he's the teaching pastor at our church, and he does a lot of the admin stuff as well, and so. You say to Chris, so Chris, we're spending all this money on rent and there's not even any AC. And he just goes, and he just goes, yep. <laughs> just, Man, yep. That's the you deal. You gotta love LA, right? I mean, I I can't, I didn't know they didn't have AC in the building. I've oh my actually gosh, never miserable. been to the building. It is, it is, it's, well, I mean, it's been miserable because of the summer. It, this weird monsoon business. I mean, this is not like, the Philippines where they have that as like their normal weather. This is Southern California. Everyone's supposed to come here for the weather and it's been miserable. Hey, you just tell Justin that when winter comes, it's on. Oh yeah, it's on. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So anyway, we should probably uh, actually get into our, our topic, but uh, before we do that, welcome. You are. This week's episode of the Church Planter Podcast is brought to you by MoGive. Oh, dang it. I was going to totally segue into our MoGive commercial. Oh, yeah? How so? Yeah. I meant to warn you. I was going to say, hey, you know, we did this big outreach and talk a bit about it. And then I was going to say how, you know, we only got a partial grant for it and we went over budget. But And then I was going to say, hey, so all you rich people out there with big churches – uh, give to uh, who Refuge Long Beach. Who haven't turned off the podcast already. Absolutely. Drop some money on Refuge Long Beach. It's a frontline church plan. Come on, baby. And then I was going to go, you know how easy it is to do that? How easy is it to do that, Peyton? Well, you know, thanks to MoGive, it's super easy, Pete. All you <laughs> All I can think of is Kyle's comments. Not another MoGive commercial. <laughs> they are our sponsor after all. I love it. Yeah. So uh, because we have MoGive, uh, Pete, it's a cheap and easy way for people to engage in online giving. I will say this. When I was at the branch this last Sunday, um, they did pass the bucket, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And no one mentioned anything about online giving. So, you know, he can't, he can't listen to the podcast that often. Yeah. Well, you know, he might just switch out the commercial at that point. Just kind of tune it out. Or he doesn't make it through the smack talk, which is why you can't go there. <laughs> That's true. It could be. So, so yeah, MoGiv. If you don't have it, why not? 
head on over to mogive.com forward slash church to learn now more. next time you go there he's gonna be like i listen to the smack talk I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to email him and say, you have to listen to this week's podcast. <laughs> we talk about Absolutely. you. <laughs> Absolutely. And Justin, I love you, brother. Way to, way to church plant, my brother. Proud don't, of you. Don't take Pete. <laughs> yeah, but don't take Pete. We're at war. To which my comment was, you're already gone. You've already left the church. What do you hey, care if I leave? talk about that. <laughs> Man, that was, uh, that was a conductor who really hates you. <laughs> no, the conductor who really hated me came through this morning and just, at about 8.30. Oh, just, my gosh. I'm going to lay on the horn me. and not, not let it off. Yeah. All right, Doc, take it away. Great, Scott. It's time for this week's topic. All right, so now that we've uh, wasted 24 minutes without talking about any TV shows, Peyton, why don't you? What? I know. We didn't talk about any TV shows. Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about today's topic? And and okay. let me guess, preaching. Yeah, it's a uh, fifth part, and uh, that is The Pulpit Strikes Back. Speaking of Star Wars, <laughs> since, we strikes, mention, <laughs> since we didn't mention <laughs> any Star Wars or TV shows this week, let me just say I started watching Star Wars Rebels, and I approve. I do. Cool. I, mean, I like that one a lot better than Clone Wars. It's really good, man. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. And and I have a six-year-old to justify why I'm watching cartoons. Woo-hoo. But I still watch cartoons before I had kids. I dig it. Yeah, it's what I do. So anyways, okay. Um, the, uh, the, the deal is, is we're talking about preaching. And we went from the preparation of the preacher's heart into the delivery because those two are very, very connected. Um, I made a statement early on what, what, Everybody wants, which is power, anointing, what everybody wants comes from what nobody sees. So, uh, you know, that, that is the time where you're on your face and you're, you're spreading yourself out. Now, I've, I've, I've gotten more feedback about this series than any other series. And what's been amazing to me is hearing guys like Ruben, um, who, who just said, you know, I've, I've, he goes in the last few weeks, man, things have really changed. And, you know, I, I said, well, what's been going on? And of course he made the joke. He goes, well, normally I only get anything out of the first 15 minutes of the podcast. <laughs> but he, he went on, you know, he's got a wicked sense of humor. He goes on to say, but, you know, really, um, is that part about praying and prepping and, and relying on the Holy Spirit? And so we had some cool stories about how things had, had kind of turned around. Well, we've been talking about that. And then we talked about content a little bit, um, you know, and, and, and so here's, here's the, the, the big deal. We've talked about unction, anointing, concepts and terms that, that aren't really popular. We, we moved into, uh, you know, we talked in the beginning about preaching to the unchurched, how you have to be sincere, you have to be uh, humble. Then we moved into don't be boring. The unforgivable sin was uh, not to be boring as a preacher. But um, I want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, the fact that that you need to be relevant. And we talked a little bit about that. Um, it, 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 the term relevance is is kind of a that's a hijacked term. Preachers have always been relevant. And I like what one man said. He said, you know, all, all of us are relevant, whether you're church or whatever. No church is irrelevant. Um, all churches are relevant. The question is, 
who is it relevant to? Is your preaching relevant to people that lived in the 18th century or the 19th century? Or is it relevant to the people that are in front of you today? So, for example, a lot of us have books on our on our shelves that date back to the Victorian period because there was really uh, a, a revival in the English language of gospel preaching. And there, there will be throughout periods of church history times where the Spirit of God came upon men and, you know, where they went back and kind of like it, it says in Genesis, where they redug the old wells, you know, of, of their fathers. So they, they sought uh, the Spirit of God. They went back to where their fathers went for refreshment. But the trap and the problem is, is often they will try to preach like those guys did a couple hundred years ago. And when, when you start being relevant to Victorian people, it's not going to connect with the people in front of you. So one of the conversations you and I have a lot, Pete, is the fact that um, I'm a huge reader. But statistically, people just don't read that much anymore. And so I got to be careful. So when I first started preaching, I was always quoting the classics because before the, you know, the Internet took off, if you want to know stuff, you went to books. Right. You, you, that, that was the place you went. So people, it, it is arguable that people were better read in the classics than they are today. Um, people would know quotes from Moby Dick. People, people would have known 20 years ago that Starbucks, uh, you know, got its name from Moby Dick's, uh, first mate on, on board the sailing, uh, sailing ship Paco. Well, people don't know that today. You know, because people like Starbucks, that's a coffee, coffee restaurant Mm -hmm. because they don't read books. And so that's kind of my argument is, is so my preaching has had to change. So when I went overseas, the reason that I started um, paying more attention to pop culture was because I went to a country that was biblically illiterate. Now, America is nowhere near biblically illiterate. Um, Not yet. People still know the gospel and know the Bible more here than they do in Britain. Although the process over the last 10 to 15 years has definitely accelerated um, people's ignorance. So we're getting like Britain, but we're not there yet. Does that make sense? It does. It totally does. So now when I preach, I use movies. I use um, TV shows. I use things in pop culture because those are the illustrations that people know. So like we were talking last session, Jesus used, you know, farmer illustrations, fishing illustrations, um, things about domestic issues. He used all of that stuff because that was what they knew. Shepherding about sheep and when you lose your money in the house, you know, um, he used things they knew. Well, that's what you would do now is you would use things that people knew. And so by using those illustrations, um, let's say you're like, you know, it's like when a man's out on a, on a sailing vessel, um, you know, uh, people don't, people don't, they, they don't go to sea anymore unless they're in the Navy. So you just tend to kind of, you, you need to update, you need to get like preaching 3.0, preaching 4.0. Your preaching has to constantly be upgrading the version, if that makes sense. And I, I, I have this thing I like to say that God kills his preachers. You know, if, if you don't know this, he, 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 preachers have a sell-by date. I mean, he kills us off after a little while. There's a reason 
that uh, Charles Spurgeon isn't alive anymore. God killed him off. I mean, he was the prince of preachers. Um, Lloyd-Jones, the last of the Puritans. These guys were pulpit legends, but they had a sell-by date. So God kills off his preachers. He raises up a new generation. And our responsibility is to somehow train the next generation of preacher to be able to convey the timeless truths of the gospel in a timely manner, in a way that's relevant to the culture around them. And so we have to train them with the principles, but leave the practicalities to, you know, to, to the, to the means and methods of today. Like I don't have an issue with a guy breaking a sermon up into 10 minute segments and splicing 10 minutes of discussion in between. Because if he's still preaching the same amount of time, I do have issue when a guy says, we don't need preaching anymore. But can the style of the sermon change? Sure, why not? Does Is there anything in the Bible that says that your preaching has to be 30 minutes in a straight sitting? No, there's nothing that says that at all. In fact, the Bible would, would actually give you more indication. There's more interaction and rabbinical questioning going on um, in the presentation of the gospel. The gospel knows uh, two different ways. One is conversational, God, John's gospel, um, where Jesus is preaching, but he's he's preaching one-on-one. He's having conversations. He's dialoguing with the Pharisees. He's dialoguing with Pilate. And then uh, you would also have proclamation evangelism or, 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 you know, the Greek style, which is one guy stands up and talks. You have, you have those different versions. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Well, I don't really know if this fits with what you're talking about, but uh, I was actually just thinking about a recent experience I just had at a uh, church plant, a church plant called The Branch, which uh, meets in Los Alamitos and uh, and Rosmore. them. <laughs> so, no, but it, it was interesting to me because one of the thoughts I've always had, because I do a lot of public speaking, right? I'm, a, I'm an introvert by nature. I don't like people for the most part. But I love public speaking. Like as soon as we're done with this podcast here, I've got a, a conference call that I've got to lead with a bunch of people I don't know. And I get butterflies before I get on that because they're all looking at me as the expert. And and that's when all your insecurities come out. And you're like, am I really mm-hmm. the expert? Am I really the person someone should look up to? So anyway, my point is just saying that is I do a lot of public speaking. And one of the things that's always kind of bugged me about pastors is I'm like, there's there's a thing in in NLP neuro linguistic programming called pattern interrupt. Whoa. What's that? Whoa! Yeah, I know. Big it's fancy big term. boy words, dude. It's called pattern interrupt. So when people are used to a certain pattern, they start to uh, not pay attention to what you want them to pay attention to because they're they're kind of in this this pattern. Like we see it on the internet. Think about it on the internet. You that what you do when I talk. Well, in some cases, and let me get, (laughs) let me get to what I'm saying about that. Cause there there is a point I'm driving to a point. I'm just trying to set it up properly on the internet. We've got what's called banner ad blindness, right? We've all seen the, the banner ads across the top of the website and down the side. So we don't even look at them because we know they're ads. It's called banner ad blindness. Right. So, um, the problem is this with some preachers, it's like, you have to realize that you doing things the same way, one is everyone else, and two, every week, you get people into this this pattern blindness. 
as an example, and this is going to freak out some people. So bear with me. I'll, 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 I promise you, I'm not saying blasphemy. Heresy. They will start off their sermon with a prayer. And I've always thought like for years, I'm like, okay, they've just shut off everyone's mind. They've just like told them I need to close down. We're going to pray, which is important. And then when we come back, I'm going to start preaching at you. And it's always kind of bugged me. As an example, there's a public speaker who makes a ton of money as a public speaker. And he does things differently than everyone else. When he's called to the stage, he's usually sitting in the audience. So he's not in the back. And he starts preaching. Well, not preaching. He starts uh, speaking from his chair. And people are like, because they're used to someone, you know, coming out to the stage. Okay, hi, I'm Pete Mitchell. And let me go ahead and get into my topic. So he starts speaking from the chair and then he stands up. And so now everyone starts looking at him because he's not in the front yet. And it's it's a pattern interrupt. And then he makes his way to the stage while he's talking. And it it basically it reaches out and grabs someone's attention. So you see this in movies. They call it mm. the teaser, right? Where sometimes they might actually jump forward in the movie to show you some really exciting scene, cars blowing up, whatever. And it's to get you into it. And then they go back and, you know, here's how we got to this mess. You see it a lot in like the mission impossible movie. So they'll start out in like the middle of a crazy scene and we don't know how they got there. And then they'll go back later. So it was interesting to me because I noticed Justin did this when he was preaching at the branch. He basically did a teaser where he started telling a really cool story. He got everyone yeah. wrapped into this story. And then once he had all their attention, he's like, now let's go ahead and pray before we get into the meat of the message. And I thought it was like such a really good way to like, you know, take a relevant story, but get everyone's attention before going mm. into the prayer. And I, I'm not, this is the, the part that people could say is heresy. Well, you know, why aren't you praying right before you need to be praying in the green room. But sometimes what happens is you're telling people, okay, now it's time for you to tune out. If you do a regular church service with a bunch of Christians who are used to just showing up and sitting in pews, the second you pray in the front, you're telling them, okay, now it's okay for you to tune out because they're used to that. It's a pattern. You're trying to interrupt. the. I don't know if that makes sense because I can see I, you. I you're, can you're see squirming your in your chair. I can see you squirming. I, I can see your point, but, but I am a guy, and I like what you said, but. I'm a guy who believes when you read the word of God, that is a sacred thing. And there's nothing wrong. Like, I, this is what I can't stand is when guys try to remove the sacredness. And this isn't what you're saying at all. No. So please yeah. understand, I'm not countering you with this. I'm, I'm kind of derailing a bit to say off to the side here. I can't stand when people, uh, they try to demystify church in the sense where they take away the awe and the presence of God out of it. And of course, that was the next book I was trying to publish, and no one wanted that one, right? Because God save the church, that one. <laughs> God save the church, baby. Because when Paul talks about things like, and then the unbeliever will be seized with fear and will say, "Surely God is among you," that is priceless. And so, for me to take someone there, but I, I, I also think uh, I do that by after I read, I'm I show dependence on God's Holy Spirit. And I'm asking God to come and speak to them. It's not the ditty, mm. which, you know, some guys are just praying because it's a formality, what you're pointing out. It's the routine. It's the rut you fall into. 
But, you know, Spurgeon and lectures of my students talks you know, you, about. You, you actually hit on something right there. You're right. That's what I'm referring to yeah. is when it becomes the routine. Yes. And it's not like you can tell as an audience member, I can tell when the pastor is up there saying a prayer because it's the routine. Yes. And when he's saying a prayer and he is truly before God. Yeah. So I yes. would 100% agree with you and thank you for pointing that out. Cause I don't, I, I'm not trying to give that impression of, I don't think you no, should pray. I get you. I totally, I don't want you, you to like kill your, your, you know, everyone's no. mindset. Okay, great. I can tune out, blah, blah, blah. That's what I'm trying to get at. No, no. And I get it. And I, and I appreciate the fact that maybe to get out of that rut, following your suggestion is a way of getting them out. Cause I actually like that. I, I actually want to try that this Sunday, like, you know, speak from the chair and just see if it, <laughs> <laughs> just to try it because sounds kind of fun. That would be kind of different, especially at our church. Because <laughs> they might go, oh, does this mean any of us can start preaching? Well, we have the open time after all. We which do. again, hearkening back to that scripture is to allow the spirit of God to speak through different people in different ways. And so here, here's the deal, right? You're you're talking though, and and you you go straight into what I was gonna talk about being relevant and the illustrations and what you use. Um you know, Jesus was constantly illustrating. All of his stories are interesting. All of his parables are interesting. And I, I actually believe that what we have there is kind of the skeleton of the story. I believe it's the gist. I don't think that the Sermon on the Mount is the entirety. I believe it's the shorthand. I believe that, um, same with the, the, I think Jesus told amazing stories and his, most of his points, he worked backwards to bring a principle out of his illustration. Most guys, you know, they kind of argue the principle and then they illustrate it. Jesus didn't preach that way. If you look at what Jesus preached, he typically, um, in the gospels, he illustrates and then wham, he drives his point home with something they understand. And, and that's what we found was very effective preaching Jesus style. In the UK. Now I am still an expositor of the text and I love to exposit the text, but Jesus very much grabbed people's attention with imagery. And so one of the things that, that I got a lot of flack for this in church zero, uh, ching, um, people would say, Oh, there's too many cartoons. You either love that or you hated it too much pop culture. But what I was doing was, uh, two things. One, there was kind of a subtle message that we're still trying to function like, it's the eighties or nineties. That's my, my biggest thing uh, with a lot of the training that, that I do is guys, what worked in the eighties, nineties isn't going to work today. A lot of the guys who planted 20, 30 years ago could not plant in today's environment unless they let go of everything they knew and grabbed hold of the Holy Spirit and maybe, you know, rediscovered what Acts has in it. But, but the point is, um, that style came from connecting with non-believers. And having to kind of fall into what Jesus was doing, where he was different. It says at the end of, of Matthew 7 that he spoke with authority, not like the scribes and Pharisees, and that the people were stunned. They were literally stunned by his teaching. And, um, and I think if you can connect, one of my favorite things to do is to preach at weddings. And <clears throat> I don't know if I've mentioned this, but I have this wedding sermon. And it, it literally is aimed at non-believers to take them from what they know, which is, you know, we're celebrating two people loving each other. And I say, why does love exist? You know, if I believed evolution, 
was the way we all got here. I'd have to scratch my head and stand back and say, why am I not like a tapeworm or a, or a flatworm where you bisect me? And I would, and I make, I bring everyone in. Remember junior high class where you, you bisected the, the flatworm and, you know, they, 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 uh, spontaneously regenerated the other half. So now you had two flatworms and, you know, surely, you know, evolution would have held on. You had something there, but no, we have, you know, the sexes, we have two people coming together. And, and then I talk about love that the reason marriage is so beautiful and, you know, people coming together like this is because we believe in love and we believe that, that love is a powerful force that can cause people to, to, to give their lives wholly and completely to one another. And, uh, and then, and then I say, but where did that come from? You know, I say, you know, the Bible says that it came from God. And I'm, of course, then I go to Ephesians and then I talk about the fact that, <clears throat> you know, that these two are um, becoming one and they're going to share everything and they're going to share their life and they're going to share their bodies and they're going to share a house, everything. They're going to become one and they're going to, they're going to want you to think of them as a unit, you know, from now on, blah, blah, blah. And then I say, where did, you know, where did this come from? Um, eventually their love is going to be so good with each other that they're going to look at each other and say, our love is awesome, but we need to share this love with someone else. And out of that love for one another, they're going to create a life. And then they're going to spill the love that they have for one another out into the love for this child. And they're going to put, and then I say, now that is how the Bible said, says that we got here. And regardless of what you think about the origins of the universe, the Bible says that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that there was a love there that was so strong that it had to be shared. It had to spill out over itself. That's what love does. And so I've drawn everyone who's been in love. I've drawn everyone who's had children. I've drawn everyone in to this experience that they all know. And I've traced it back to this principle that God loves us and he made us out of love and we're his children. And then I bring that whole thing where Paul says, for I speak a mystery, not concerning a man and a woman, but Christ in his church. And then I go on to say, but the Bible teaches us that like Daniel would lay his life down for Reagan, because that's our next wedding coming up. So the Bible says that Jesus laid his life down for us. And I'm straight into the cross, you know, that he would die rather than lose us, you know, and, and on and on. And, um, and, and you've just illustrated your way and, you know, wedding sermons ought to be short. It shouldn't be these big old long things. Everybody's standing, you know, and if you can get from zero to hero, in other words, from creation to the cross, from, from their zero knowledge of the gospel to portraying Christ as the savior of the universe within five minutes, you have to illustrate the old saying, a picture is worth a thousand words is true. And um, I always like to say that, you know, imagery makes you fast and furious in delivering complex truths. That's why Spurgeon really drove his people to be able to do this. And so in, in a weird way, you have the ability with the hammer of imagery to drive truth deep into people's psyche mm. and keep it there. And uh, so if this were a comic book ad, the back of the comic would say, Master the Lost Art of Illustration, draw mental cartoons, amaze your friends, be understood, bore people less. And that's all I have to say about that. Well, it's it's interesting um, from a couple of a couple different standpoints. One, I could not agree with you more. I mean, 
think about our whole culture, right? Our whole culture is a TV and movie crazed culture because they 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 suck us in, right? They got a story yeah. there, they suck us in. And you pointed out, you know, all the parables that Jesus did. And, you know, in some points, uh, like when he, he talked about the, the prodigal son, it, it ticked off all the <laughs> religious leaders because they understood what he was saying. Like he was mm. using a story to make a point. And, and I personally, I think that's, that's just a great way to, to make your, your point is to use stories uh, in yeah. speaking. When I'm telling stories to people, like if I just go up there and just lecture, I lose their attention. Yeah. But if I can tell them a story of how this principle plays out, I got them. Yeah. I mean, I got them. That's all there is to and, it. I got and there them. are people that believe that you cannot be expositional, particularly of Pauline epistles, and be true uh, to, to the text. But if you look at the Pauline epistles, Paul drags you into court. The first thing in Romans, right? Takes you to court. You've got so much, he's illustrating all the way through about slave, you know, and death and marriage. And he's using all of this imagery. Uh, Ephesians is an epistle all about the temple because they had the temple of Diana there. It was one of the seven wonders of the world. So Paul uses temple imagery all throughout that book to make his point. And when you start getting to um, the epistles, you realize that Paul is actually illustrating a lot because that's how the Eastern mind thought, the Eastern mind illustrated. And by the way, I'm, I'm not this brilliant. I'm borrowing this from uh, Ray Vanderlaan, who had a series, if you can ever get a hold of it, called That the World May Know. And um, it, it's, it was produced by Focus on the Family. Amazing. And he just goes through and he points out the difference between an Eastern mind and a Western mindset. So Western is very Greek. It's very much um, precept upon precept, um, conceptual uh, versus illustrative. And what um, what he does, he says, for example, to the Greek mind, to the Western mind, I, if I want to convey truth, I say, my God is strong. And he says, but to an Eastern mind, which the Old Testament was uh, written by Eastern peoples, they would say, my God is a rock. And they would illustrate it. And so if you you start reading the Bible that way, and you're like, dang, so much of this is actually illustration. So, but Are you uh, saying I can't take it literally? <laughs> uh, figuratively only, Pete. No, I'm not saying that at all. But, <laughs> but, here's, <laughs> but here's the deal. Um, it, the other thing I would say is please make your preaching intelligent. Don't think for a second what we're doing is we are saying, hey, put it down on the level of Saturday morning cartoons. Um, please make it intelligent. Uh, Monty Python. Um, <laughs> I got great love for the Monty Python boys. I, I just, my brain just responds to that humor. But when uh, in, the, in, in the famous debate where John Cleese, uh, they made the life of Brian and um, they, they sat down with a, there was a fear and an uproar in Britain over. I don't want to get into it, but there was a debate on the BBC and sadly over and above the clergy, cause the clergy just, they came at it from the wrong angle. Um, Monty Python cast just really kind of hammered them. And, uh, they, they kept saying, you ought to be thanking us. You know, you're, we're, we're bringing attention to the Bible. We're not against the Bible. You know, we're, 
we're not even making fun of Jesus. You know, we're, we're making fun of the times and we're getting people to think about this. Like you should be thanking us. But John Lee started getting really upset at one point because there's a lot of pompous, arrogant statements made during this debate. You can see it on YouTube. But John Cleese said something that, that, that's haunting. He said, I sat in parochial school chapels for years. And at the age of 10 or 11 years old, I sat and listened to sermons that even at that age, I felt insulted my intelligence. Interesting. And, and so the punchline broke the silence when one of the clergy on the panel quipped, I'm a bit worried because I preached in chapel a lot during your time you attended there. And then everyone laughed. <laughs> And uh, it, it, it provided a little bit of comic relief in a tense debate. And, you know, you hear that and you, it, hey, props to you, preacher, because it was a panel of them. And, and, and that guy, he really, he showed a bit of humility then. But, you know, uh, that priest took the bullet, but it, it could have been any of us. You know, I'm sure we've all preached uh, boring sermons and stupid sermons and sermons that we know aren't connecting. And, um, you know, because we didn't do our homework. And that's where... Paul comes in, and, and we're getting into the content preparation, but he says, study to show yourself approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed. So like any other job, you can do shoddy work. You know, if my plumber comes, he can do shoddy work. You know, the electrician can do shoddy work. And the problem is, if a plumber does shoddy work, he gets a bad reputation. But if I do shoddy work as a preacher... Christ gets a bad reputation. Mm. And, and that's where we have to be careful. That's where uh, Paul, Paul talks about this trust that we have been entrusted. He says men ought to regard us as those entrusted with the secrets of the universe. That's in 2 Corinthians. That is a powerful scripture. Men who have been entrusted with the secrets of the universe. And Spurgeon makes the point that uh, a guy who's been entrusted with the secrets of the universe ought to be as excited about it as or impassioned about it as a guy who's been given the secrets of the universe. And, um, <clears throat> you know, you have to make it intelligent. You have to not make it boring. It, it, preaching is not easy. It's hard. You, you're to take complex concepts like Romans 9, 10, 11 and distill them into clear, simple, bite-sized, everlasting gobstoppers of truth. That's what you're meant to do, right? So people come away after 30 minutes feeling like, you know, like on Willy Wonka. See, there you go illustrating again, but like Willy Wonka, like, oh, you know, there's a turkey dinner and oh, mashed potatoes with gravy. And wow, you know, they're savoring this stuff and they're they're feasting on it like an everlasting gobstopper. This is going to take them through the week. It's enough to chew on. It's not you just filling 30 minutes making, you know, Sunday school points that, uh, you know, you can put on an overhead. Hmm. And I, yeah, sorry. No, I'm, I'm I was gonna just going to say, going. I, I, you know I totally, me. I totally, uh, I, I get that, man. I really, really get that. And I think, I think what you hit on there is a really important principle of, um, of doing the whole preaching thing, man. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta grab their attention. You got to, you gotta train properly. Here's kind of the interesting thing. Like in marketing, I would say, in fact, we do say that you basically got to write at the fifth grade level. We call them 25 cent words. If you're using a 25 cent word, it's too much. Mm. Cause most people don't have that. You got to use nickel words. 
And and part of what you're saying is, yeah, okay, you still got to use your 25 cent words, but you've got to explain them so that the people who are at the nickel level can understand it. Does that make sense? Yeah. What I'm saying? Um, absolutely. Like, and, and, that's, and that's that's so where you're important. using your your stories and your examples and your illustrations. Let me take this deep concept and break it down so you can understand it. Yeah, and and a, a buddy of mine in in Britain. I don't think it's a British uh, statement, but I remember hearing from him the first time he put it, and he was he was super intelligent. I mean, there are people in Britain. And this was a guy that was at Sandfields Lloyd Jones's church, and we served together for a few years. But I remember. I remember once I was asked him, so what are you reading? And he was reading uh, Robert Raymond's systematic theology for his devotions because I had hymns at the back, uh, you know, little choruses and songs. And he's like, so I worship to those. And, and I said, oh, what else are you reading? And I thought I was smart. You know, I thought I read a lot and was, was pretty intelligent. Well, you, you only have reading? to move to Britain. Was he reading about quantum physics? Come Dude, on. Like, I kid you not. At one point, this is where I realized I'm in a whole nother league of intelligence now. He, 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 he could speak Latin and read it. Um, he could, uh, so I said, Oh, what are you reading? He goes, Well, I'm reading this one science fiction book. And I said, oh, What's the name? And he goes, Well, it's in French. <laughs> Check, <Okay>. please. <laughs> yeah. Homeboys reading stuff in Latin. He's reading science fiction for fun in French. Like, Okay, I'm in another. I, I'm. I, I, this isn't my playground, you know. I'm in the ball pit at McDonald's, dude, and you're at Oxford. So, um, but but anyways, what it, it takes hard work though. It does take hard work. I'm not saying you got to read stuff in French and Latin, but it takes hard work to do what you're saying, Pete. And um, Spurgeon used to say, "Give me an hour, and I'll spend a day to prepare. Give me thirty minutes in the pulpit, and I'll probably need a week." give me 15 minutes and I'll need a month. You know, so the shorter time you were going to give Spurgeon, the more concise he had to be, the harder he had to work. He wanted that. What he's valuing is that clarity of thought. Hmm. And he knew that to preach as good as Paul wrote logical precept upon precept as a preacher, you have to possess a mastery of your subject. Because logic is the preacher's best friend. When they used to train the Puritans, they would um, train them in divinity at Christ Church in Oxford, but they would also uh, give them logic and critical thinking as their 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 standard fare. They they felt that if they could train you in that, you could do and and you can read the Puritan sermons. I mean, they lasted like four hours, but they were logical, right? They have points upon subpoints. And they logically work through it. Well, you can't do that today. But um, I'd like to talk a little bit about how I prep. And, you know, for me, very practical because I know you you like practical. What this means is all week I'm going to be thinking about my text. So I take it with me in the week. I don't wait till the end of the week and then look at it and cram a bunch of prep. I, I have this idea that everything in your life should be put on the anvil, uh, your thoughts, what you look at, what you watch, your TV. So I'm not looking at preaching as kind of like it's something I prep for and deliver. So uh, someone once asked this preacher, he, he, he preached, you know, kind of like like my favorite Twilight Zone episode. There's a salesman and he he's, talks about how he wants to pitch one for the angels, you know, he wants to give the ultimate sales pitch. And um, 
And, and so, uh, I, I think we all want to pitch one for the angels. We want to knock it out of the park. Well, this, this preacher, he preached an amazing sermon and people were like coming up to him, you know, how long did it take you to prepare for that? And he, he looked at the, at the person that asked him and he said, that a lifetime. Mm. In, in other words, his whole being, when you're a preacher, it's your everything um, goes into it. So we, we hit on this in the first few episodes that it's not the act of preaching. It's truth mediated through personality as Lloyd-Jones defined it. It's who you are. It, it, you can't, if you're not walking with God, if you're, your character's not right, if you're not passionate about the things that you're, you're truly passionate, you know, that you're either feigning passion for, you ought to get naturally excited up there. Um, because those things you can't wait to speak about. In Matthew chapter five, I don't know if it's verse one or two. I don't have it in front of me, but when it says that Jesus opened his mouth on the Sermon on the Mount, it literally means that he unhinged his jaw. That that literally, and that phrase meant that all you had to do was was open your jaw and the content just would pour forth. It would just gush out of your heart. And that's it's like he was unloading his heart on people. And that's what preaching ought to be. So when we talk about preparation, we're talking, you know, that's why Paul says be ready in season. And out of season, because everything, your whole experience that week, your conversations, your everything ought to be going back to what you're going to preach. And so when a preacher says, oh, man, I was called out to visit the deathbed or, you know, visit sick people or this crisis happened. Trust me, in those times where you're doing the Lord's work in crisis or whatever, and you didn't have so much time in the study, you will just somehow find God honoring that and whatever experience you had is going to serve your time in the pulpit. But that doesn't mean you don't labor. Spurgeon said this, right? <clears throat> um, he had uh, formed a habit of being in constant preparation. And prepping as practice a habit. Like Lloyd-Jones, for example, he always had a piece of paper and a pen with him at all times because he had to write thoughts down quickly. Um, with mobile phones, it's really easy now because like I always find when I'm in the shower, Everything goes through my head. But um, but Spurgeon always prepared um, no matter what. He was always writing down thoughts about the Word of God, even if it was never going to go into a sermon, even if he would never use what he prepared. Preparation became a lifestyle. So he had formed a habit of practicing the mining of Scripture for gold. And then what would happen is because he was always um, preparing, the Spirit, would suddenly cause something to jump out, and he knew that was his text. So if you go through his catalog of sermons, you'll realize he did not go chapter by chapter, verse by verse as an expositor. He was a topical preacher, and he'd be in Isaiah one week, and he'd be in Daniel the next, and then he'd be in Luke, and then he'd be in Philippians, and then he'd be back in Genesis, one verse, one hit, and then somewhere else. It was because he was always reading the scripture and pulling it out. And you get that from reading his sermons, that he is just rich. My favorite quote ever from Spurgeon is my favorite because it shows how versed in the scripture this guy was, where he says, I confess that often we are like ships laden with gold from Ebion Geezer, but alas, we find ourselves shipwrecked on the, on the rocks of Tarshish. <laughs> 
Hmm. It's like, dude, what the heck are you talking about? You know, like, but the reason that's my favorite is because if you take a concordance and you go look those passages up, that phrase makes a huge amount of sense. Now, keep in mind that the, that the people he was preaching to were a lot more biblically literate and they probably got what he was talking about. But again, it just, it just shows that this dude, like, like Spurgeon said, if you, if you prick a, a preacher, he should bleed Biblian blood. The Bible should just be in his thoughts and his mind. So anyways, this, this is what Spurgeon said. And how, how are we doing on time? Oh, we're over. So you need oh, to wrap okay. it. All right. So <laughs> it's on. So <clears throat> he says, I confess that I frequently sit hour after hour praying and shut up computer. Spurgeon didn't have that problem, Pete. Can you hear that? Oh, yeah. I'm like, man, people really want to get a hold of you. I have no idea how to turn this off. So everything comes through my headphones except for that. So it says, I confess that I frequently sit hour after hour praying and waiting for a subject and that this is the main part of my study. Did you get that? I confess I frequently sit hour after hour praying and waiting for a subject and that this is the main part of my study. Much hard labor have I spent. He's kind of talking like Yoda there, right? Much hard labor have I spent. But he says, much hard labor have I spent manipulating topics, ruminating upon points of doctrine, making skeletons out of verses, and then burying every bone of them in the catacombs of oblivion, drifting on and over leaves of broken water till I see the red lights and make sail direct to the desired haven. I believe that almost any Saturday in my life, I prepare enough outlines of sermons if I felt at liberty to preach them to last me a month, but I no more dare to use them than an honest mariner would run to shore a cargo of contraband goods. So he's waiting for the spirit, almost like that fire from heaven to kindle all of the dry wood that he's been gathering, but he's constantly um, gathering uh, dry wood. And so um, anyways, uh, there's just a lot to this subject. I mean, um, you should always be learning. You should make every effort to, to add uh, to your wisdom knowledge and be gaining a knowledge. And uh, because we're, you know, I'm just conscious we're over time now. I'm going to have to stop there. But uh, hey, hey, could, could we have another week on preaching? Well, of course we will. <laughs> We've got more to say. There's a lot more to say. We have more weeks if on. We preaching. just have Pete shut up more. We could get through this a lot quicker. <laughs> no, man, it's good. It's good. It was good. Good parlay back and forth today. But here's the deal. Um, it's it's not easy. And I just want to close with something that Wearsby said. And the the key is to keep changing, keep improving, keep reaching. And to keep reading these guys that just, they just were an embodiment of what we're talking about because Warren Wearsby is one of the best living preachers on the planet. And I'll never forget sitting in a meeting and um, I can't remember if, if I asked him or if someone else asked him, but it was, um, they asked him, how did you become the preacher you are today? And it was the effect of how did you become so good? And his comment was, God never lets me be satisfied with my own preaching. Mm. Dissatisfaction is underrated, man. I dig it, man. I dig it. Well, you know, I always have this question about Spurgeon. Um, <laughs> you know where I'm going with it, don't yeah. you? <laughs> do, do you think Spurgeon was a math pastor? 
<laughs> or a non-math pastor. Well, I can tell you that Lloyd-Jones probably was a math pastor, being that he was a doctor and he had that scientific brain. But Spurgeon, Spurgeon was a rare man, Pete, indeed. And he may have been, but I, I think not. He, he was a pre-algebra kind of guy? No, yeah, probably. <laughs> he was a genius. That well, is for sure. I was just going to say, because if you're, if you're like really into the preaching side of things, you, you may not be so much into the administration math side of things when it comes that to is church. True. And if that's the case, then really what you want to do is you want to head on over to simplifychurch.com and you want to find out how you can offload all of that work on the Simplify Church. Yeah. My biggest recommendation, talk to Josh, simplifychurch.com, and let them be your math buddy. Absolutely. And remember, be like Spurgeon. Go to simplifychurch.com. <laughs> just, just, just to let you know, um, Spurgeon liked a particular type of cigar, and... uh he he actually remarked once that he he went down the street, you know, normally went past the tobacconist where he bought his cigars, and they had a big sign of him, and it said, smoke the same cigars Spurgeon smokes. That's awesome. That's actually that's, good marketing. Yeah. Yeah. He actually, that's when he quit. <laughs> <laughs> so they lost one customer, but probably gained about a thousand more. Good trade-off. Only a marketer would think like that. That's Good trade-off. Only a Sith thinks in absolutes. Well, awesome. Well, uh, why don't you give us our sign-off line, and uh, we'll see you guys back next week. For uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna remove the mystery. Preaching part six. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, it's been the, the next week. Line. We're gonna do another topic, and we're gonna be like surprise. <laughs> So, hey, guys, this has been the Church Planner Podcast reminding you if you want to reach the ones no one's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going. And let me tell you a little illustration, a little story, just in case you're in that thing Pete was talking about. And you got to do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Church